The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast, sponsored by Fantrax. I'm Clay Link, along with lead prospect writer James Anderson. James, focusing mostly on the AL Central and prospects you need to know in that division. But I did want to talk briefly about the great fantasy baseball invitational. KDS ran uh, earlier today, around noon Central. I know everybody cares about that, but it, it is cool to finally have our draft orders determined for this year's TGFBI. Yeah. I am picking out of the two-hole in League 14. It's supposedly this year's League of Death, according to Justin Mason and our buddy Smada. So we'll we'll see if that's actually true or not. I'm sure all the leagues have, have plenty of good players in them, but uh, happy to be picking two. I will be getting either Christian Yelich or Ronald Acuna, which is a great way to start a team, get those stolen bases, and get the contributions in, in the other four categories so really excited for that to get underway next week uh where are you picking i got the 10th spot don't love it but um i'm thinking maybe there's a chance like coal falls you think that's probably unlikely i think that's unlikely probably um maybe i haven't ended up with story anywhere but i could see myself taking story 10 maybe would you take story over soda probably yeah uh, yeah would you take I don't love uh, it any other pitcher there other than Cole? I would take DeGrom there. Yeah, I do have Cole as my number one. I do too. Just tons of Ks, tons of wins. Even if the ratios, there's some give back there. Still like Cole's my number one. But yeah, we'll see. This is not a draft spot I've ended up with. But, um, you know, for KDS, I just went one through, <clears throat> one through 15. It's interesting that you went two as your number one. You actually, you did pass on Ronda Cunha in the towers draft and hold but that is a on base league right yeah i don't really see any case for acuna over yelich or trout in on base i certainly see the case in batting average leagues but it, and it's not a slight on acuna at all i love him i would be ecstatic to get ronald acuna at three in an obp league but it's more just how good yelich and trout are in obp that it's it's really tough to pass on either of those guys yeah i'm looking now i guess i have yeah Story 9, Soto 10, so we'll see. I'm going to get a good player there. If Betts fell, that'd be a tough call for me. I have him 8th right now, but push comes to shove, I, I don't know. Uh, I love Betts, but little 
a little bit lower since the the trade. Looking forward to TGFBI though. Fantasy baseball is pretty great, despite what some people say. <laughs> yeah, I think fantasy baseball is doing great. Uh, I think it's alive and well. I'm in three slow drafts as we speak, and I've got the beat James Anderson league tonight. So right in the thick of things. You haven't got your draft order for that quite that league quite yet. Not yet. I, Coming soon. Uh, I'm excited. I mean, it's 12, so there's really. There's really nowhere bad to be picking. I mean, I know I saw a lot of people talking about where they were picking. Uh, I, you know, it's it's tough when you really, really want to be picking somewhere and you don't get that. But uh, there's just all kinds of things that can work out in your favor, no matter where you're picking. And it's not just all about those first couple rounds. I mean, I'm kind of finding that out right now, uh, doing two slow drafts that I actually really care about. And I'm learning that there are certain parts of the draft where if you're picking, it's really tough to get a guy. Uh, like, you know, the one uh, or the two, three turn, like if you're picking second, like I am in tout, it's kind of impossible to get Zach Allen from that spot when you're, when you're picking uh, by the wheel, because you either have to reach for him kind of in the nineties, the early nineties, or you're just not going to get him. And I found that out, but you can also get guys like Matt Olson and Matt Chapman, who I love at that spot. So there's all kinds of pros and cons at different points in the draft. Yeah. And any 12 team where you merge feeling great feeling like you just put together an all-star team after doing a bunch of 15s the 12s are are great to do uh james looking forward to this al central prospects and the white Sox, man pretty top heavy uh, luis robert andrew vaughn nick madrigal michael kopech we all know what about the depth in this system does it go much deeper beyond those top four or five guys no i i think this is the worst system in baseball five through 10, five through 20, five through 30. I just think there is absolutely nothing short of the guy that we might talk about in a second here. There's really nothing outside of the top five that you can get excited about. There's some guys with upside, but they're just either so far away or so risky, or there are guys like Blake Rutherford, who he just, I mean, he's going to be lucky to be a fourth outfielder. So uh, just, you know, the, the talent at the top might be the best in baseball, like one through four, they might be the best of any farm system in baseball. But uh, once those guys graduate, and they're all going to graduate at least by early 2021 when Andrew Vaughn graduates, I mean, all four of them theoretically could graduate this year. Once those guys graduate, this could be the worst system in the game. And we've talked quite a bit about Luis Robert. I know Derek Cardi's the bat projection system, which is great. Derek's a really nice guy, really generous too. Gave uh, everybody at Towers free access to the bat for a year, which was Really nice of him. I love the bat. Stand by it as a great product. Um, but, yeah, his Luis Robert projection threw a little cold water on him. And I know you're a little bit lower. Do you see any scenario where you end up with Luis Robert on a redraft team this year? No. His his projection basically paints Robert as about as valuable as I thought he was before that projection came out. It's not – the way that I think he's going to be valuable, like he's got him for 21 homers, 16 steals. I'd probably flip those two, and I'd, I'd probably dial back the runs in RBI even from 77 and 70 respectively, and I, I might even dial back the batting average from 249. But, uh, yeah, I was not surprised at all that the bat didn't like Luis Robert. I don't really like him for this year either. Uh, I feel like I say this every time I, I rain on Luis Robert. I was very low on Fernando Tatis for, for 20 19 so that doesn't mean that robert is gonna suck this year it just means that i am not gonna have him anywhere yeah i think that's probably smart i did take him in our magazine mock draft but that was before he signed i think it was like seventh or eighth round but uh at the increased price i don't know if i'll have any Luis robert uh nick madrigal is an interesting guy a lot of people thinking he could be leading off for the white Sox pretty early great bat to ball skills has flashed some speed in the minors but do you expect him to run uh, enough to be a, a plus in that category in fantasy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if if he do, if he doesn't steal bases, his numbers are just going to be extremely empty if, from a real life standpoint. I mean, if you just hit 300 and get on base at like a 365 clip, and you don't hit for any power and you don't steal any bases, you know what what are you really doing in a big league lineup at that point? So I, I think he kind of has to steal bases. He has to. Uh, turn those singles into doubles uh, at a at a fairly high frequency to be worth uh, a spot near the top of that order. Nice. And I just want to say one last thing about the bat. Even if you don't play DFS, uh, I recommend 
using it and, and buying it because it's a great season-long tool as well. For those half weeks in the NFPC where you're on the fence about a certain lineup decision, you check the bat and say, hey, this guy's projected for like 11 points today. I'm going to plug him in instead. Uh, it's just a nice tiebreaker for some of those close lineup calls. Uh, Benjamin Bailey's got a little helium in this White Sox system. What do you like about his skill set? Just extremely high ceiling, and you know he was flying under the radar for a bit this winter. I think he's starting to get hyped a little bit more, in part because I've got him inside the top 200. Uh, big time power projection, really smooth swing. You know, it's it's easy to kind of see him turning into a 30 plus homer guy. Uh, got only five figures out of Panama last year, so. Uh, just seems like a really good signing by the White Sox. I mean, he wasn't really on the radar until he just lit up the DSL last year, and he's uh, a good runner right now, so you could maybe dream on it being a power speed thing, but he's 6'5". I think it's it's better to just sort of temper expectations in the stolen bases and just hope that the, the hit tool and the OBP skills translate when he comes stateside. And Andrew Vaughn's a guy we've talked a fair amount about, especially with First-year player drafts were getting underway. Anything you want to add, anything new to add with Andrew Vaughn? No, I mean, I, I think he's got a chance to be the talk of the minor leagues early on this year. I think people are underrating him because the numbers weren't amazing uh, after he'd had a really long season. I would not be surprised at all if he just tears the cover off the ball very early this year. Nice. And the Cleveland Indian system, kind of a interesting contrast to the White Sox system because they may not have the top names at the the very top of the farm system, but they have a very deep system, especially relative to others in this division. Yeah, I think this is the deepest system in the game. It's the only system where I'm going to rank over 40 or I'm, I'm going to touch on over 40 guys in this series. Some of those systems from the NL West, we got into the mid 30s, uh, but the, in, and the Rays and the Yankees, very deep systems as well. Uh, you know, Rangers, Astros. I'm writing up for for tomorrow. Those are those are deep systems. But the Indians are just so so deep in the lower levels, and they're kind of tracking towards being maybe the best system in the game in a year or two. They're not a top three system right now, just because of the lack of. Uh, top flight talent that's close to the big leagues but in a year or two it could be a really special system and not a lot of proximity right with those top names no. like i mean nobody Nolan did... Jones is the closest okay. right and and he's uh i wouldn't be surprised if we didn't see him at all this year if he if he really performs uh maybe we see him but i don't really think the indians have a ton to gain by by rushing him up this year they've they've got competent options at the the positions he can play and george valera was a pretty hyped name going into last year's uh, fantasy drafts lost a little bit of his shine what did you want to see from george valera that he was unable to do in last year uh the hit tool wasn't really as advertised i think he kind of fell in love with over the fence power in the new york pen league last year um you know he, he walked at a high clip but he, he struck out a little too much um and that's that's an issue because he's not going to run the way that we thought he might be able to run back when he signed, when he was a big-time J2 signee, uh, already kind of a fringe runner at this point, might end up in left field, which puts a lot of pressure on the bat. So the fact that he's you know three years away probably at least and the fact that he, you kind of have to hope on him being a four-category guy at this point has him outside my top 50. Nice. And one guy you think is a little overrated here for Cleveland, Aaron Bracco. I think I said Bracho on the XM show, and you corrected me. Thank you, James. Uh, what about Aaron Bracco? Uh, has you a little, you know, tr- a little bit uh, hesitant to fully buy in? Well, there's no denying that he was very impressive in the AZL last year. I think when, you, when you're talking about teenage hitters, you have to project uh, what, you know, what is this player going to look like three, four years down the road. And Bracco, already a guy who is not a good defender anywhere, ends up at second base most likely. But, you know, he hit the ball in the air way too much in the AZL. I think that they're, I think the hit tool might be getting a little oversold right now. And he's pretty aggressive, even though he, he had all those walks. I just, uh, you know, I, I think that this might end up being the peak of his Dynasty League value. Uh, he's already got a bad body, already kind of looks like Brian Dozier and uh, still a teenager. So I, I just worry about 
what he's going to be bringing to the table three, four years down the road. Well, before we move on to the Detroit Tigers system, a quick word from our sponsor, Fantrax. Sick of waiting for ESPN and Yahoo to open your league? Go play at Fantrax. Your league is open 365 days a year for full off-season trading and pickups. Looking to make a run this year? Trade those future draft picks up to six years in the future for the player that will take you over the top. Looking to add that stud prospect you heard uh, you just heard us talk about. Don't worry about having to hope he's in the player pool. With Fantrax, they have over 10,000 players in the pool. And if they don't have him, they will add them for you. No more placeholders. Do you use contracts and salaries? No problem. Fantrax has you covered with the ability to track it all, including extension years. Sick of collecting money from your owners. Fantrax has you covered with their treasure product. Pay your league dues on the site and let Fantrax distribute for you. All 100% free. Move your league today and reach out to at Fantrax on Twitter and get hooked up with a little bonus. Now, James, this Detroit Tiger system, some good arms, obviously. Matt Manning, Casey Mize, Tariq Skubel. Uh, what about the position players? I know Daz Cameron, outside of your top 100, he's a guy I always like, oh, yeah, Daz Cameron. Uh, maybe he's up this year and contributing at a decent level. Uh, but the position players overall do little to excite you here. Yeah, it's pretty rough. They, they've they hit on some of their very high picks in the draft. Matt Manning was, was a great pick. I think he was at eight overall. Casey Mize, I mean, nobody would, would quibble with that pick uh, first overall. You know, I think in hindsight, they probably should have taken C.J. Abrams over Riley Green. And then they just have not hit on any of the guys they've been taking in kind of the the competitive balance rounds, second round like they're just they're kind of o four in those parts of the draft, which has kind of stalled the rebuild a little bit. Fortunately, they hit on Tariq Skubal, but uh, there's just not as much talent in this system as there should be, given how deep they are into this rebuild. Uh, it's tough to see a light at the end of the tunnel when you're lacking that type of impact on the position player side. So you know, love the arms they have coming, but uh, really don't see the light at the end of that tunnel uh, on this rebuild. <laughs> Yeah, um, maybe they need to get some new front office guys in there. But to mention Daz Cameron, he's fallen outside your top 100, still 165. And again, I mentioned that I could debut this year. You do have his ETA as 2020, 23 years old. You just don't think this is like a big needle mover for fantasy. You know, it just it depends how he hits this year at AAA. I think there's a there's a case to be made that he just clashed so much with Doug Mankiewicz, who was their AAA manager last year, and they fired. Uh, in part just because Daz has uh, kind of stalled out at AAA. I think maybe if they, they get a more of a player's manager in there, um, he could kind of pick up where he was at AA, where there, you know it was tough to kind of find too many flaws in the profile back at AA. And you know he's still a guy that, that could steal 20 bases. He still shows above-average power in batting practice, and he, and he plays a good center field. So there's, there's stuff to like here, but he has to hit at some point at AAA and, and in the big leagues, and so far he has not. Yeah, and one other guy in the system who you have projected for a 2020 ETA, Isaac Paredes. You're not as high on a, as others are on Paredes. You think he could uh, at least get a cup of coffee this year? Yeah, I, I just think that at a certain point they're just going to be like, whatever, um, bring him up. Um, Hasn't played above double A quite yet. No. Uh, but, you know, you saw what he did at double A, really good command of the strike zone. That's that's kind of his one tool is just a, a good uh, K to walk. He's kind of always had that going for him. Uh, there's whispers that he might be older than, than what he's listed at. He looks like he's older than what he's listed at. Uh, I think, what is he, 21, according to uh, – date of birth um, yeah but, but yeah i mean he he's just kind of one of those guys who has the height of a second baseman and the body of a dh and doesn't have the power of a dh and will probably get to play third base for a while on the tigers because why not but uh, i just don't see the impact fantasy tools there with paredes and willie castro you have seventh on the org chart but you're not i know you're not much of a fan especially for this I, year i would be uh, if you told me that only one of Daz Cameron and Willie Castro became mixed league relevant this year, I'd pick Cameron. Yeah, okay. I get that. He is fifth, so maybe a draft and hold guy. I've, I've considered him as uh, just a, a possible warm body 
who could debut late. Um, moving on to the Kansas City Royals, Bobby Witt Jr. headlines this system. Uh, other top 100 prospects here, Eric Pena, Daniel Lynch. How high has Bobby Witt climbed, and what's the ceiling with this kid? Uh, I mean, it's there aren't many guys that can match Witt's ceiling if he kind of gets to the high end on the hit tool. Uh, I've got him at, let's see, 23 overall. So just behind those big arms, uh, Manning, Puck, Spencer Howard, and then just in front of Corbin Carroll, Jeter Downs, Carter Keyboom. Uh, Witt's got mom, monster raw power. I mean, it's probably 70-grade raw power, a plus runner right now, so easy to get excited about the, the power and the speed there from a guy who's definitely going to stick at shortstop. But I could see the batting average ending up anywhere from like 240 to 275. So if it's only 240, he's still probably a top 10, top 12 fantasy shortstop because of the power and the speed, uh, which is why he's in the top 25. But if he gets up to like 270, 275, he's probably going to be a first rounder. Nice. And yeah, Bobby Witt Jr. checking in 23 on your top 400. Rotowire.com slash radio uh, or podcast, either one. <laughs> um, to, for a full 10-day trial. See James's rankings. You also see them uh, with the app, which is like a cheat code, fantasy baseball cheat code, uh, seven ninety nine in the app store. I recommend it. Um, but, yeah, you mentioned that immense raw power. Still having some, you know, some issues getting to it in games. We can forgive a kid who's 19 years old uh, just getting acclimated. What about Eric Pena? General thoughts on him and his uh, long-term outlook. He's another guy with a really high ceiling. I mean, the the Royals have, you know, it, I could talk myself into being pretty excited about the future if I was a Royals fan because in Wit and Pena, you have two guys that are very far away, like probably four or five years at least before those two are both in the big league lineup. But you could be talking about a number three hitter and a number four hitter and maybe, maybe a number two hitter and a number four hitter. It depends on, on just how Pena develops, but... Uh, I mean, he's got one of the quickest bats in the minors. He's got that sort of high kind of like tomahawk finish that, that Wander Franco has sometimes. Uh, I think it's going to be uh, probably plus hit, plus power. Maybe the power gets to 70. Not going to be a big-time base stealer, but one of those guys with the upside to be a top-10 fantasy prospect without the speed, which is pretty rare. Nice, and you think that this team and this organization may have the most pitching depth in all the minor leagues, headlined by Daniel Lynch, Jackson Cower, Brady Singer, and others. Uh, any, like, front-line type of guys here? Are these, like, guys that you must go get in Dynasty, or is this just a, a decent group and nobody who really stands out? So Lynch, you could talk yourself into him being, like, a number two. I mean, I, most systems don't have a guy that I would say could be a number one, but you know, Lynch, I, I think safe bet is him being a number three. Uh, there's a chance that he could be a number two, though. The rest of these guys, it's it, you're kind of hoping for number three. You're okay if it's only a number four. But the fact that they have uh, like a half dozen of these guys where they're above low A, they uh, easily project to stick as starters. They have number three starter upside you kind of assume they're going to hit on at least like two of them. And if, if you do, then that's, that's great. Uh, Brady Singer, I, I think is the most famous of these guys, but he also might have the lowest ceiling because he's, he's pretty much a sinker slider guy needs to develop that change up to, to be much more than an innings eater to me. Uh, but the rest of the guys all have at least uh, one plus off speed pitch. So, I mean, it's, it's a pretty fun group. Nice. Any other thoughts on the Royals and, and maybe some, 2020 impact <laughs> uh i i don't really see uh 2020 impact coming from uh, the farm system and maybe khalil lee comes up in the second half and, and steals a handful of bases uh but yeah i mean i, I think this is more of a it, it's a ways down the road you can at least sort of see the pieces forming you can kind of envision what it might look like but uh most of these guys aren't going to be up this year yeah i know we talked about like brady singers like maybe a last round pick with the 50 round draft and hold there's a maybe because they're going to need somebody to eat some innings yeah i think singer could be up this year i just he he doesn't really have the ceiling to to get me all that excited about about stashing him but i could see him being up nice 
Now we'll move on to the Minnesota Twins and Royce Lewis. You know, the numbers at AA last year do little to excite. 231, 291, uh, 358 slug, couple homers, six steals. But you still have him as a top 10 and, in fact, number seven on your overall top 400. The numbers scouting can lead you astray on a prospect of this ilk. Yeah, he's just he's had a lot of moving parts in his swing. He's got the big leg kick. Uh, it it just he couldn't get into a groove. Plus, he was in the the pitcher friendly Florida State League, but he was the best prospect in the Arizona Fall League. He's got elite pedigree, elite tools, a premium athlete, a guy who's always going to be a threat on the bases. Uh, I think he actually might have slimmed down a little bit uh, since the start of the 2019 season. I mean, he looked really lean in the AFL, and I'd heard that they'd been trying to get him to bulk up uh, a year ago. Uh, so it, it's it's good to kind of see him back at the weight that I think he should be playing at. Like he he should be kind of playing that Mookie Betts type of game where it's just you know really lean, fast uh, twitch, and and just making havoc on the bases and and adding uh, value in the field he's capable of playing shortstop third base all over the outfield so uh he's not he's not a guy that's ever going to really be blocked once he's ready it's just not clear exactly where he's going to end up and alex kirloff you just paid up for uh quite a bit in a recent uh trade right in a dynasty league trade you acquired alex kirloff is that correct yeah in uh tdgx i did a one for one with DJ Short of, of Roto World uh, gave him Josh Hader, got Alex Kirloff. I'd been shopping Hader uh, pretty, you know, I'd been kind of checking in with a lot of owners about Hader this offseason, and Kirloff was the best. I didn't want to do a two for one or a three for one. I just wanted the best young hitter I could possibly get for Josh Hader, and it ended up being Kirloff, which uh, fits my timetable a lot better. DJ was trying to make a run. I think this year, maybe next year, I'm kind of looking more 2022 uh, if everything kind of lines up for me. So I was not worried about the fact he's not been in the majors. I think by the time I'm ready to compete, he could be a guy with a plus hit tool and plus power. Nice, man. Uh, Yeah, that's interesting. And you've been screaming from the mountaintops about Hater. As a Brewers fan, it seems like that's falling on some deaf ears, but I guess that's not the worst thing for us to Well, yeah, I mean, uh, so – I just don't think the Brewers, in a perfect world, are not using Josh Hader as their closer. I think they would even tell you that if you asked them. Like, you know, would you prefer to have a healthy, back-to-normal Corey Knable in the ninth inning and using Josh Hader like they did in 2018? I think they would say yes. Uh, Not a lock that Corey Knable returns to form, certainly. But I just don't think Hader should be getting drafted as this clear top guy among relievers. I think he is a borderline top five guy, even when I don't project him to get 20 saves. But if I'm using one of those premium top 100 picks on a reliever, I'm doing it for the saves. I'm not doing it for the ratios. And if you're not going to get 30-plus saves out of him, I just think it's a bad pick. Yeah, I think that's really important to stress that you got to get some saves if you're drafting a reliever that high. And I've seen him go even like the fourth round. Yeah. I I think what it is is there's that pocket of the draft in kind of the 50s where all those sort of clear aces are gone and you may, you might look at your team and think you're light on pitching and you're just like, well, whatever, I'll get Josh Hader. Uh, there's pitchers that, like, you should be taking Charlie Morton over Josh Hader. You should be taking Zach Granke over Josh Hader, you Darvish. I mean, there, there are guys you should still be taking before you turn to Josh Hader. I even might take Chapman over him, to be quite honest. I know that, you know, Hader does so much with the Ks. I, Lifting you up there, but I would take Ozuna, Yates, and Chapman over him for sure. Interesting. Now, Canable's not supposed to start. We're getting sidetracked here a little bit, but Canable's not expected to start with the major league team on opening day, tracking toward a May return. Any other arms you like here? Ray Black, maybe. I know he throws hard. Yeah, but he's just he's not ready for that type of role. Uh, I think he's a project. Obviously, throws really hard. Sometimes just has no clue where it's going. Um, you know, we'll see what happens with Freddie Peralta. I think that he's going to be stretched out. Uh, but I think he added a pitch uh, so far this spring. And, and at times last year, he looked really good in, in high leverage spots for them. Uh, so that's a guy to keep a, keep an eye on. I mean, I, I still believe in Corbin Burns becoming a starter, but I think he's another guy that clearly has the stuff to, to get outs in that type of role. Um, and then, you know, a, a guy – 
you know, way far down the depth chart, Bobby Wall, who they got from the Mets. I think he might have some of the best stuff in that bullpen, but he's not even a lock to break camp on the uh, 26-man since he's got minor league options remaining. But, yeah, I mean, I think the Hater will get will be getting saves in April for sure. And then I think the hope is that Knable comes back probably sometime in May and maybe wrangles the job from him in, in June or July. Yeah, I just – I know you've been stressing that on XM and on this show – and people still paying that draft capital, and I, I'm hesitant to do that myself with Hater, A great player, obviously, but yeah, you need those saves if you're spending that pick. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When you're looking for a credit card, get one that wins awards. The U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card is NerdWallet's 2021 Best of Awards winner for Best 0% Intro APR and Balance Transfer Credit Card. It provides a great way to pay for large purchases over time, as well as consolidating other card balances. And speaking of award winners, the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card is NerdWallet's 2021 Best Credit Card for Dining Out or Ordering In. Earn four times points on takeout, food delivery, and dining. Get two times points at gas stations, grocery stores, and on streaming. If you're into cash back or travel rewards, U.S. Bank has credit cards that feature those benefits, too. Check out their full suite of credit cards at usbank.com slash credit card. The creditor and issuer of these cards is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from VCUSA, Inc., and the cards are available to United States residents only. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Um, getting back to the Minnesota Twins farm system, Jordan Belazovic. We talked with Royce Lewis about the dangers of just numbers scouting, but man, if you just look at Jordan Belazovic's numbers, I mean, bloody brilliant here, James. Last year, got to high A, 73 innings at that level, uh, 228 FIP. Pretty darn good. 0.37 home runs per nine, 25.2 K minus walk. Obviously, he's a ways off, but is, he, is Jordan Belazovic kind of the guy who maybe in that next wave of, of top-ranked pitching prospects, kind of like the next wave of the Mackenzie Gores and those types? He could get there. I, I see some similarities to him and Matt Manning from a couple of years ago. Uh, it's To me, it's always noteworthy when a big pitcher – his age logs those K minus walk rates over 25% at multiple levels in the same season, you know, just completely dominating uh, even after getting that bump up in competition. And kind of like Manning, Belazovic has the fastball. He has the size. He has the athleticism. He has the breaking ball. I think he's going to throw enough strikes. It's just getting that change up to, to make that jump. And when that happened for Manning, his stock really took off. If that happens for Blazovich this year, I think, yeah, his stock could really jump. This is almost absurd. The line drive rate at low A before he got up to high A, 2.3%. <laughs> it's only 20 and, a thir- and two-thirds innings. Still a crazy outlier number. Um, behind him, Trevor Larnock, kind of just kind of holding serve with his prospect rank. You know, not – Necessarily, I, he was a guy that I absolutely loved in the uh, was that 2018 draft, yeah, uh, and just seemed like a very, very safe hit tool power OBP, not going to provide defensive value, maybe left field, maybe DH, uh, but I, I'm concerned about the fact that he went to AA last year as a 22-year-old and struck out almost 28% of the time. To me, that just introduces an element of risk that I didn't think was there. Like before, like if you told me at any point in his minor league career he was going to have a strikeout rate over twenty five percent, I would have bet against that. Even though he's a big kid, he's six four, two twenty three. Um, so I guess we shouldn't necessarily be surprised that there's some length in, length in his swing. But I, I was surprised by that number they put up at Double A. So I'm just a little leery of him being able to hit enough to make up for his defensive shortcomings. Still a top 100 guy for me, but a little riskier than than I thought he was after he kind of graduated from high A. Another sidebar here, but I'm just kind of seeing the C-Trent report about the Padres, still interested in trading for Nick Senzel. A lot of rumors with Senzel. They should. I mean, I I was uh, looking at the Padres depth chart earlier today, and I just cannot – believe that a team that has the aspirations they do this year is actually considering going into the year with probably Franchi Cordero and Will Myers as their <laughs> center fielders. I mean, that just doesn't make sense to me. I mean, I, we've we've been kind of jokingly big Franchi fans for a while, but, I mean, you can't look at anything he's done over the past few years and think he's going to 
hit enough to be a, a big league regular. And obviously, Will Myers isn't going to hit enough to justify playing every day, but his contract probably gets him in there. But yeah, they, they need to add a, a center fielder. And that's why, like, I, I know there were reports like a week ago about uh, Fernando Tatis uh, just trying right field a little bit in practice and saying they'd be willing to try the outfield. I know that that just got like a lot of people freaked out over that. I actually think it makes a little sense because I think he could be an excellent defensive center fielder. Like he could probably would, yeah, probably be like a Gold Glove caliber center fielder. Uh, the risk would be that there's probably more chance of injury with him playing center field. But uh, they they have just all this infield depth and not really anyone who profiles as an everyday center fielder. Yeah, I don't think that's crazy either. I think obviously for fantasy down the road, maybe that would hurt him, but. Uh, for that team, I would think that makes sense to give him a look, Tatis, in the outfield, and yeah, um, they better be willing to pay up the Padres <laughs> if they want to. They want to pry Nick Senzel. Ser- serious offers only. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but that is crazy. I did like Franchi when he came up, just because of the tools, exciting tools. But yeah, the, he always had the swing and miss. Now two years pretty much wiped out by injuries, right? Like. So that's the better part of maybe that was just one year, but uh, hard to bet on him. And I actually saw him go. I think he was in the mixed labor draft ahead of Trent Grisham. And I, I like Grisham a fair amount. I like Grisham a lot more than than Franchi. I think Grisham might even be a better defensive outfielder than Franchi. I mean, I know Franchi has the tools, but I mean, he does not have the instincts oh, out God. there. His instincts in so, the outfield are terrible. I could see. Grisham actually like I could see it just being Fam Grisham Myers uh, a lot of the time out there and, yeah and maybe Grisham or Myers or, or Grisham or Fam maybe playing center I don't know I it's they don't have a center fielder that's just the the long and the short of it yeah we could put C J Abrams and Mackenzie Gore on the <laughs> table that'd be a pretty, that'd be a starting point yeah I think that'd be a, a fair start now you have our attention. Yeah, now we'll talk. No, I love it when the Reds like get ripped off by a team. They always come back looking for more. Uh, although the you know the Puig or not the Puig deal, but um, I guess it was the Puig deal. Three team trade with the uh, with the Cleveland Indians. Um, well, yeah. the, the trade they got ripped off on was the yeah the um, the initial Puig deal. Yeah, the initial they Puig deal. Tra- traded for him from the Dodgers. That's yeah. the one that they really got hosed on. And the other one, not so much because Trammell. Yeah, I mean, not, I, not as exciting. I think if Bauer has a really good year this year and you guys get into the playoffs, that, that's a win. Yeah, I'm with you there. Now, Mysel Urbina, top 100 guy for you. What can you tell us about Urbina? Uh, big time pedigree, uh, 2018 July 2 signing. I guess he's just outside the top 100. Yeah, leadoff hitter traits, walked way more than he struck out in the DSL, has plus speed, should be able to provide a ton of value in center field. Uh, I think there's a chance that he could end up being kind of a Starling Marte type of fantasy guy. When it's all said and done, if he can get to that type of power, we'll we'll see. I think it, it's probably to be determined if he can be a 20-homer guy. Uh, but definitely a leadoff hitter type of guy. And I don't really see him seeing much resistance until he gets to at least like high A or double A. I just think he's going to have no trouble putting up good numbers in the lower levels. And Ryan Jeffers, a guy that you see as a sleeper here, you look at the numbers – they don't jump off the page, but you do like him, especially at that position. Yeah, I think he's the most underrated catching prospect out there. Everyone's sort of kind of coming around on Sean Murphy, but to me, Jeffers has a lot of similarities to Mitch Garver, where initially defense was a question, and the Twins seem to be able to turn guys into good pitch framers, and that, that happened with Garver, and it seems to have happened with Jeffers. His arm isn't isn't great, but... Uh, I think he's going to be a competent big league backstop and definitely going to hit for power. I think he could hit for average, too. Offensively, I think he's he's very similar to Garver. So really the biggest knock on Jeffers is that he's in the same org as Garver because I don't really see him uh, getting the lion's share of the starts at catcher anytime soon. But I, I think he will be good if he does get that shot. Yeah, good on base numbers, certainly, and maybe more power to come for Jeffers. Now, they uh, the Minnesota Twins have – Three, I guess, fringe, borderline starter uh, prospects competing for that fifth starter job. Randy Dobnak, Devin Smeltzer, Lewis Thorpe. Uh, do you have a choice? Do you have a pick as to who will win? And do you think any of these guys are really fantasy relevant? 
it's you know they're very similar for for fantasy uh dobnak i think is the guy that i would want back there because i think he's the one you have to worry about the least he's just kind of your classic back end starter four pitches gonna throw a bunch of strikes gonna be competitive out there every fifth day uh smelter kind of more deception based but when he faces a lineup that hasn't seen him he can make them look really stupid uh lewis thorpe has the best uh probably the best pitch of the three guys his plus slider but that's kind of all he has and i i think dobnik probably wins the job regardless of who it is i just view these guys as i would start any of the three against the royals or tigers in any scenario this year but i would not start any of the three probably against anyone else other than in like any <laughs> Yeah, no, that's fair. I can't see any scenario where you wouldn't you steer away from that matchup or where you would steer away from that that's matchup. That's one where you have to do the Vlad Sedler and look like two, three weeks in advance yeah. and fab bidding and, and get them for a buck and churn and burn. Yeah, i got to do that more, look multiple weeks into the future. Uh, it's so easy to get you know laser-focused on just getting that lineup the best it can be for this week. But if you really want to be good at fantasy – yeah, you have to uh, do as Vlad does and look ahead, uh, speculate, and save yourself from some fab money. I think that that's, that's sort of um, not necessarily just that aspect of fab, but uh, I think when back when I was a, a much worse player, the reason I just wasn't as good is because I did not take uh, the prep time seriously when it comes to Sunday nights and Monday mornings. Like yeah, you, you have same to here. Be, you have to be putting in the work every Sunday night and every Monday morning. And if you are just kind of lazy about it or you're just kind of like, oh, I'll just take off this week. I'm, I'm going to be out of town. I'm going to be partying with my friends. And I'm just going to be sort of lazy about this week's fab. I mean, you can you can do that in home leagues. You can do that in like head-to-head leagues and stuff like that. But if you want to win like a, a competitive roto league, there are, there are no off weekends. Yeah, you can't take a single week off from fab. You and I learned that the hard way in our first – Endeavor Man, into the were, main. Were we, were we just dead money walking in that? <laughs> yeah, we were overmatched at the time. Then we drafted I think we're okay, ready. and then we just sort of uh, we just <laughs> we just went down downhill from there. But that yeah. was that was what like five years ago. Yeah, point? that was a long time ago now. And Vlad, I remember Rotowire like Vegas trip one time. We're all just at the pool like getting drunk, and he's like, "I got to go up and do my fab." That, yeah. that set a good example. That then I was like, "Man, I didn't, Vlad's serious." It, I didn't. He didn't scare me straight right that minute but I, I do think back on that and just think about like man vlad probably won like four five figures that year and i probably didn't win it <laughs> yeah vlad vlad i don't know why i said it <laughs> with an f but vlad set the example and i'm i follow in his footsteps great player great dude james anything else prospect related you want to mention before we get to this much-anticipated final segment. Yeah, so the AL West article is going to go up on the site tomorrow. And then hopefully I have time after after I finish that. The top 400 is going to get a big-time makeover to reflect all of the research I've been doing on these guys and the, the six divisional articles. There's not going to be a ton of movement in the top 200, but there's going to be a ton of movement, a ton of new additions in the 200 to 400 range. That should go up on the site Thursday, uh, Friday at the very latest. So we'll have something to talk about. Uh, you know, maybe the names will be a little too deep for us to hit on and on Farm Fridays on the XM channel, but we, we might hit on some of it uh, next week's pod. In your magazine article, the rookie tiers, which people love and super valuable for redraft, do you have a kind of updated version of that magazine article in the works uh you didn't want to just post the one that's in the mag you're actually going to update that before it goes live to the site yeah i mean that's that's one where you could really update it uh every week of spring training but <laughs> uh you know and maybe i will get a, a third update out there towards opening day but yeah definitely get a, a fresh version of that up there um very very early in the month of march nice and we will have spring training job battle articles coming to the site from Eric Halterman, all kinds of stuff, all kinds of news flooding in. Busy time here as baseball gets ramped up. James, we mentioned last week that our buddy Paul Spore had a brilliant idea for our end-of-show hip-hop segment, drafting hip-hop fantasy rosters, filling a variety of positions, and you took the time, thank you for doing this, 
to determine the positions. And we got how many roster spots here? Like 20? Yeah, I, I came up with 20 roster spots. Um, you you kind of greenlit uh, everything I was throwing at you on this. Uh, a couple so have, producer spots. Yeah, so we have we have uh, five spot five decade spots. So a 1970s spot, a 1980s spot, a 1990s, 2000s, two, 2010s. So five decade spots. Then we have three East Coast spots, three West Coast spots, three Dirty South spots, um, and I know some uh, parts of Southern rap probably don't consider themselves dirty south but uh just anywhere from the south we can pick a guy yeah that was too deep to just have one yeah and then one midwest spot um i got not, my name locked in not already the, not the deepest region in the world uh <laughs> scarcity maybe pump pump them up bump twist up well i was thinking scarcity for 70s like i was thinking oh yeah i don't know many 70s um, guys. and then, no groups i just want to stress again you can't take a group yeah which is uh which is a big qualifier because I there there's uh one group, De La Soul specifically, that mm. I, I just would not pick any one of their uh three MCs, but I would love to have given them some recognition, but no, they they will not get a spot. Then three lyricist spots, which are basically util spots, but they should be given to, to guys that are sort of known for their lyricism and then two producer spots. And obviously we don't have scoring categories, but maybe the listeners can decide I, which. Well, once we're done, I was thinking I could just tweet out the the two uh, lineup full rosters. I like that. Yeah, Twitter poll. I guess. So, how are we going to determine first pick here, James? Uh, well, since I put the work in, put the spreadsheet together, and came up with the categories, I think I get first pick. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Who um, you got? Uh, so this one is kind of. For for people that have been longtime listeners, this one's kind of boring, but uh, I'm going to go with Ghostface. Damn it! I'm going to slot him into one of my East Coast spots. I reserve the right to move him to a lyricist spot if I need to, if I need to free up another East Coast spot. But uh, I just, I you know, I he would be one of my first picks anyways. But just knowing that I'm going against you, he's definitely a guy that I I could not afford to wait on. Yeah, that's smart because that was going to be my choice, and you, we've talked about how fantasy is somewhat of a game of market leverage. And I thought, you know, maybe in some rooms I wouldn't have to take ghosts first. Um, but in, in this room I would have to, and I don't even get a chance. So uh, I, there you go. If you are not a ghost face aficionado, Supreme clientele and Iron Man, I think are his two best albums uh, for my money. But, um, you know, all the one, all of his first five, six albums are, are excellent. There's another Wu member I would consider, but again, market leverage. I don't think you're going to take this guy next. So I'm going to fill an East Coast spot, but it's not going to be another Wu member. It's going to be Nas. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, gotten more. I mean, I've always been a Nas guy, but I've just been playing Nas a ton. And again, a, a guy who I just wouldn't expect to be there in future rounds. Maybe not my all time favorite rapper, but on the short list. And again, I feel like some of those other names in consideration, I could maybe get a little later on. What do you think is a better album, Illmatic or uh, Supreme Clientele? Supreme Clientele. Okay. I but mean, it's I, close, man. I think, th- I think those two would be in my top three. I yeah. Think. And it kind of depends on on the day. You could talk me into Illmatic. That, that documentary I was telling you about on Netflix, uh, Evolution of Hip Hop, they... We're interviewing all the producers, all the super producers that uh, contributed to Illmatic, and it's just really made me want to put that on. Yeah, I have like an old school disc changer in my car, like a five disc changer. And I already had Illmatic, but I was at Half Price Books and they had it, so I was just like, I'm just buying this again. Just to have a car version, car copy. Um, Nice. So Nas and Ghostface, first two picks. So we're going to snake and I get the first pick next week. Yep, yep. Man, that's going to be a tough call. Um, I feel like, as we talked about, like eligibility, multi-position eligibility is pretty important. But I guess it's not if we're not going to like set <laughs> active lineups. Uh, just going to lock guys in well, to spots. I mean, I think it, it's kind of like a a first base, like corner and fill a util. Like if if you need to move Ghostface down, yeah, like later on man, or. If, you could even move like if you wanted to put Nas in like the nineties or something, you could if you wanted to. Yeah, that's so true. Like it'll it'll matter more as we get deeper into the draft. Just offers you up a little flexibility. 
Ghostface Killer, the number one overall pick, followed by Nazir Jones, Nas, the number two pick. I will have the third pick next week. James with the fourth. I'm looking forward to this. And, uh, yeah, maybe some controversy later on. We appreciate you guys listening. We will talk to you next week on the Roadwire Prospect Podcast, sponsored by Fantrax. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.